Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. Each episode of Flawless, we look at an album that one of the hosts finds flawless and we talk about why we think it is and what that means. My name is Liam McGuinness. Ordinarily, I'd be joined by George and Grant, but unfortunately, they're unable to join us today. So I'm here in the studio with a special guest, Dom Miller. Welcome, Dom. G'day. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. So today, we're going to be looking at an album that you've nominated, which is? It is uh, Havilah by The Drones. So Havilah is The Drones' fifth album, and it was recorded at Gareth Lydiard and Fiona Coombs' Mudbrick House in uh, regional New South Wales, I think it was. Regional Victoria, Victoria it is, I always, actually. Yeah, I always forget which one of those two. No, that's okay. It's, I mean, who cares, really? It's not Queensland. Yeah, so <laughs> Lydiard said about the, uh, the the house that's sort of out in the forest. It's like, quote, it's like a little world unto itself in the forest. It's a beautiful place. You can't always find a good spot to record, but if you can find a house like this, that's a bonus. So I understand that the house out there almost like is without power because they had to take like a diesel generator out there to record. Apparently at the time, yeah, it was mm. all recorded. The electricity all came from a diesel generator. I believe yeah. they have got power connected now, That's thankfully. Excellent. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, this album was essentially recorded via a diesel generator, which mm. is just so drones yes. like you know yeah um, he, he found a situation and instead of just going oh well i guess we can't record here he's just like no no we'll do whatever it takes to record here we'll don't worry about that we'll sort that bit out totally and that thing of like i mean i feel like the drones he's probably going like hell yeah like that's even better yeah like yeah it's even better we're recording off a generator that we have to go and get diesel for every few days yeah, yeah. to fill up you and know? If it saves me from having to go into the city more often that's a, that's a bonus <laughs> as well like you need yeah. to not have to do that 100 and i mean like you know that that to me is like you know i don't want to overdo it but that to me is like so important about this album it feels like a survivalist's handbook this yeah. album you know it's feels like songs about a dystopian world and that the world's going down the toilet and get yourself ready or it's you know if it is talking about the past like and like that thing of like powering off a diesel generator there's yeah. no electricity it's like so perfect for this album mm. so at the time the drones were gareth lydiard on vocals and lead guitar fiona mccomb fiona coombs on bass Dan Luskimer on guitar and Mike Noga on drums. So they've had a bit of they've had a few lineup changes since then. Mm. But for my money, that's probably the golden age lineup of the drones. That's probably the best lineup they've had. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think you you know you might get a bit of pushback on that from some fans who who think they're the album before. Oh yeah. no, not the album before. Sorry, their first their second album, mm -hmm. Wait Long by the River and the Bodies of Your Enemies will float by. All time classic album title, by the way. Absolutely. And an all-time classic album. You yep. know, I just want to put that out there. That's also one of my favourite albums. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't grab me like this album did. Yep. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would say, well, the out the, the lineup on that album is maybe the iconic Drones album mm. with Rui Pereira on, on guitar, who ended up rejoining the band more recently and, you know, that kind of thing. But to me, I agree with you. Yep. Mike Nogar, Dan Luscombe, and then Fee and, and Gareth on up front, you know, like that's really iconic to me. Mm. A footnote, you know... Or a side note, the other song that I almost chose, uh, sorry, album that I almost chose for this was Dan Kelly's Drowning in the Fountain of Youth, mm -hmm. which features Dan Luscombe on lead guitar as well. Yep. So mm -hmm. I think maybe I'm just a massive Dan Luscombe fan. Yeah, there's just a lot of Dan's going around in Australian <laughs> yeah. music and they're all doing awesome stuff. So. Yeah, and Gareth, 
uh, actually used to play in Dan Kelly and the Alpha Males. So he okay. used to play guitar with Dan Kelly. So right. yeah, very incestuous little crew. I think I'm maybe just really into those guys altogether. That's a very poppy band for Gareth to be a part of. Yeah, I think it was in comparison. the early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was probably in the early so, days when Dan was a little bit more had a few rough edges around yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so like we said, the album was produced and engineered out of their house. It was produced by Burke Reed, who uh, was previously in Girling and had done also done work with the Mess Hall, mm-hmm. who we will be talking about down the line. Yes, yeah. I love. And um, yeah, he had to set up a mobile studio in the house, and it was powered by a diesel engine. Yeah. So just looking at some of the songs on the album, the first two, Nail It Down, and then the Minotaur, has got to be like an all-time classic one-two opening for an album. Incredible. With the caveat being that it's not even the drones' best one-two <laughs> opening for an album because the one-two tr- that opens Wait Long by the River, Shark Fin Blues and Baby Squared, I think is actually better. I agree. So somehow they've got like this, Nail It Down and Minotaur is like, this is an amazing one-two, but it's not even the best in their catalogue. Uh, I mean, like, let's be honest, the best, one of the best songs, Australian songs ever written, mm. if not best songs, is Shark Fin Blues. Yeah. You know, but... God, man, they get pretty close to Nail It Down yeah. and the Minotaur here, yeah. you know? And it's funny that they open with that one-two of, like, the big epic opener yeah. into the first single, like, the real single on the yeah. album mm-hmm. in both of them. Baby yeah. Square's incredible, like, garage pop song, really, yeah. when it comes down to it. And so's the Minotaur. Yeah. You know, maybe the Minotaur's a bit more dark and depressing and le- and pulled back a little bit and a bit more wonky and woozy. But I think that's actually like the thing that really stepped, brought this album forward for me. Like they pulled back on this album. It's Mm. a lot more mellow, you know, like, and it's all woozy and wonky and it feels drunk and, you know, like at times. And it's a lot less like just screaming, yelling, you know, drones, which to me, you know, there's, there is that element of it. But to me, that's like something that's really special i mean yeah. and i i found a quote you know that dan luscombe said that um gareth said to me toward this quote gareth said to me towards the end of a recent tour i'm not writing under the full t- full tilt album my back just can't handle it anymore yeah and gareth said quote hardcore punk albums are a young man's business <laughs> you get a bit tired in your old age there was a conscious effort to make something a bit easier to play yeah now, like making something easy to play for the drones, I don't know how yeah. possible that is, <laughs> but there is something about this album in comparison to their earlier albums, particularly Wait Long and Gala Mill and then their first album, which I've... Here Come the Lies. Here Come the Lies, which is more straight sort of garage, Aussie, Australian garage kind of album. It does pull it back and by pulling it back, it kind of brings to the fore this like these really special dronesy like the drones sounds that mm. are the drones you yeah. know those guitar lines the way gareth plays guitar with his hand on the whammy bar the whole yeah. time it's that 
woozy you know i know i've said that three three times yeah. now i think but it's that wonky kind of like feels like a drunk stumbling but with a with a really clear mission and purpose and he does it you, you can see it when he plays it live as well like he's playing the guitar with his entire body mm. like it's not just i'm just some guy standing here doing what i need to do to get the notes out of thing he's just emoting the whole physical presence of playing the guitar and he's going to do whatever it takes to get that into it and it's almost yeah. like the audience becomes superfluous like i'm pretty sure i've he always sings with his eyes closed, I remember. Like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't look at the audience. No. He's not doing this for them. This is just this thing that's in him and this is what he needs to do to get it out out. And this is the way that it comes out. And if it comes out as a, a soft murmur or like a screech or a yelp or just a barking mad cry, that's he just follows that. Wherever it goes, he's just gonna follow it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like uh, that's the thing, like by pulling it back, they brought to the fore less about Gareth's like Oh, I'm just smashing the guitar, and more about his inflections, how he sings things, his voice, like, yeah. and the strength of his lyrics. Mm. You know, I think the lyrics in this album are like incredible. Yeah, um, and it's you know, it's either music, it's music for me for either like a dystopian story of Australia's future. Yeah, or it's like an actual true soundtrack of history. Yeah, you know. There's there's songs on here that are about history, yeah. you know, not just Australian history, like world history, which we can talk about later. But it's like these songs aren't like the heroic, like, and we, you know, like we went to the moon and we were the yeah. first people there. Yeah. It's like this really dark and depressing and scary, like, you know, mm. stories. Um, but you know, nail it down. After Sharkfin Blues, potentially my favorite album opener of all time. Yeah. And I love a fake ending. Yeah. That fake ending in the middle of the song yeah, is it like... Yeah, it peters out. Yeah, it peters yeah. out. And then those li- that line where he comes back in. Her hair was wet, her shoes were damp, and as she travelled on the weather, looked like I stamp. And, like, that's just... It's something about the way he sings that. Yeah. And it's such a good, oh, an amazing turn of phrase. Yeah. They're just, like... They've got the fake ending, and then he comes back yeah. in, and then the second half of the song is even better. Yeah. I sometimes think of him um, in terms of like lyric and what he's singing about. It's like a counterpart to Tim Rogers. Yeah. So you're singing, they're singing songs about Australian life and Australian suburban life and yes, rural Australian songs and all sorts of stuff like that. But whereas Tim is sort of singing about the upside of it, like it's romantic and it's nice and, you know, boys and girls get together and, you know, mates are mates and it's all going to be friends. And then Gareth's like the counterpoint to that is like, no, no. Everything is <laughs> fucked and people are just going to treat you like shit at yeah. the first opportunity. And this is one of the most, because uh, this is one of the first times that I'd really sat down and drilled down into the lyrics and stuff. And this might be one of the most pessimistic albums that I've ever heard. Oh, it's like, depressing. It's, it is just really incredibly dark yeah. and just down the whole time. And yeah, it's just that counterpoint to, like it's in a similar vein, but just like taking that twisted view. Gareth Lydiard is the one person in music in the world who can actively change my mood as, as I'm listening to his music. Yeah. We're not here to talk about this album, but his solo album, Strange yeah. Tourist, I genuinely, from the start, can be in a great mood, put that album on, and by the end, I'm like, yeah. I need to just sit down for yeah. a while. Like, if if if, you, if, you, if people haven't listened to it, like, that solo album is incredible. Definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah. and the radicalization of D on the end of that album is a masterpiece. It's not background music. You no. can't just put it on oh, and not no. listen to it. And you can't you can't be down when you're starting it. Yeah. It's gonna be like you've got to be <laughs> yeah. I'm cool, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to listen. Everything in my life is okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So Well and that's the thing I used to like and that's the thing about the drones. Like 
the drones is, you can have on in the background because it's the, you know the music itself is really great and interesting. Yeah. But you know it's the kind of thing like I used to walk to work. And I would put on drones albums and it was entertaining. I didn't listen to podcasts or anything yeah. at that time, uh, well, well, you know, because I could just listen to drones albums and to the Gareth Lydiard solo album. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like from going into Nail It Down into the Minotaur, it's obviously the most accessible single on the album. Yeah. And it's, you know, the story of it is this great, like speaking of pessimism, it's this like it updates the story of the Minotaur into this sort of like modern day sloth who spends all day on the internet and you know I I read a, a thing where Gareth said um, you know well he said that a Greek half man beast as a modern day sloth who spends all day on the net which is our generation's maze. Mm. He said, it's a metaphor for anger management problems. This beast lives in a maze that he can never find his way out of. And if anyone walks in the maze, he kills them. Yeah. So it's like this story about people being online and being trolls and stuff. Mm. But until you actually listen to the lyrics, you don't know that. Like yeah. it could actually be about the Minotaur, yeah. you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, so the album came out in 2008 and it feels like the internet the last 10 years has gone more and more in that direction. So it's like totally. really prescient of the time as well as sort of where we were going. Yeah. But yeah, I'd never, once again, I'd never really listened. So I find his vocalization a little weird sometimes. Like a lot of it, to use a pun, is just that drone. Like I, I can't mm. pick up the words a lot of time just by listening to it. Yeah. But then sometimes like that one line will just come through and I'll grab it. Like, oh, yeah. But yeah, I had no idea in this song, he talks about something, something, um, fucking Halo 2. Yeah, yeah. It spends all day looking at porno playing fucking Halo 2. Yeah. <laughs> And I just like, there's like, I always sort of, oh yeah, it's the Minotaur, it'll be like a, a sort of dystopian song or something. And it's like, no, no, he's just thinking about this guy who just plays video games. <laughs> yeah, so I was yeah. like, ah, oh. this is such a weird reference to just be thrown in there in the middle. I think he talks about memes and stuff in the song yeah, as well. Like, it's totally. just a really weird. Well, it's that thing, like, it, it is, it's jarring because something about the drones when you listen to them doesn't feel like they're a band from the 2000s. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it feels like, there, if you had electric guitars and amps in the days of Ned Kelly, yeah. the Drones would have yeah. been the most popular band. Totally, that's what it feels like. Like yeah. it feels like a colonial era band for some mm. reason. Like out, out, um, you know, uh, you know, out on the front lines in in Australia. You yeah. know, like that's kind of what it feels like when everything was a bit wild. And so yeah, when he like references Halo Two or memes or yeah. whatever, you kind of go like, oh, it's kind of jarring, but it's great. It's yeah. awesome, and it doesn't feel. Like, it doesn't feel, like, wrong. Yeah. But it's, like, it's... And I think that's Gareth's, like, with his lyrics in particular, that feels like his his attitude towards things. Like, he has a, he's very aware of everything that's going on out there. He just doesn't want a part of it. No. You yeah. know? And that's what this album's all about. Like, do what you want. Yeah. Like, and I'd love in this album and, and subsequent albums and albums before, Gareth hates everyone. Yeah. He makes fun of everyone. Yeah. The right, the left, the in the middle, the anarchist, the, yeah. you know, whoever. He makes fun of them. And he's, it's really, this album is like a nihilist album. Mm. You know, it's for nihilists. It's for people who don't give a shit about anything. Yeah. You know, like, and that's like, it's such a cool, like, it's such a great attitude. I don't have that attitude towards life. Yeah. But it's great to listen to someone who does, who writes great songs about it. And it means that thing where he's, 
like gone out to a mud brick house in the middle of nowhere yeah. and just gone. So I guess when when he was like, okay, I'm ready to record an album now, he would've, <laughs> people would have said to him, oh, so you're coming to the city? And he's like, no, no, you fuckers are coming to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, not going, I'm not going to you. You guys, like that, it makes sense of just like all the way out there, no one can fuck with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm as least fuck with as possible. Like it, <laughs> people can get to you no matter where you are. But this is I'm as most dependent on myself and disconnected from people as I can be. Absolutely. And and I think that's like that is such an important like theme of the album. Like even in The Drifting Housewife, you know, mm. moving on to track three. Yeah. Which pulls it right back off yeah. those first two songs, acoustic and it's a story of a divorce, but it feels like the story of a divorce, and I could be totally wrong here. I've read the lyrics, but it feels like you know, in the days where someone would have to, you know, travel for their for their work, you know, and there wasn't a telephone or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like a story of a divorce, story of how these people shouldn't have got married, but it feels really remote, this yeah. song. I'm sitting in the middle of the wilderness by myself. I don't even think he says that, but to yeah. me it goes, I'm sitting in a house by myself in the middle of nowhere and I know this person's going to leave me, yeah. you know, and it's so, and so this album has that remoteness built into it. And being in the middle of nowhere and having no one, you know, yeah. um, and it has that line. So don't go getting married. You can only change your name. You know the Lord, know the Lord. And it's that thing, like, of like this. You don't actually have to do what everyone wants you to do. You can just. You know, like if mm. <laughs> you're only getting married because you feel like you should get married, yeah. you know? And it's the, so many of the themes on this album are like isolation and and it, and recording out on their property, which was called Havilah. Yeah. That's what that's about, you know? And I think that's where that comes from. Mm. Yeah. So the title of the album is The Name of the Valley Near Where the Album Was Recorded. And then also it's a biblical reference to like a Shangri-La-esque town with an abundance of gold. So it's yeah. that idea of everyone's just trying to get to that place that's probably mythical and no one really knows where it is or what if it even exists at all. But yeah. people are going to mess with each other and fuck each other over yeah. in the name of this or in, with an idea of trying to reach this thing that may not be there at all. Well, and, you know, I've never been there. Um, I used to manage uh, Ben Salter, who recorded his debut solo album with Gareth there. Mm -hmm. At Havilah, and everyone talks about how beautiful it is out there, um, and it's like apparently. So Havilah sounds like a perfect name for it. Yeah. But then you listen to this album called Havilah, you know, and it goes like it's such a contradiction. And I think that's what you're saying, like you know, really, yeah, yeah, it's a Shangri-Laist town full of gold and yeah. precious jewels and stuff for people. But to get there, people are going to kill each other, and yeah. you know, and that's sort of and. You know, leading into that, I Am A Supercargo is, mm. you know, up there with my favourite song on the album. Yep. Um, you know, but which tells the story of cargo cults. So specifically the John Frum cult. So which is, so a cargo cult is a, like, I'll read what I've yep. written here because I'm not smart enough to remember <laughs> it. Cult or belief system which forms around a Western society bringing all their technology to a less developed culture. So the John Frum cult... Uh, was one of the most widely reported and longest lived, formed on the island of Tana, Vanuatu. 
This movement started before the war and became a cargo cult afterwards. Cult members worshipped certain unspecified Americans having the name John Frum or Tom Navy, who they claimed had brought cargo to their island during World War II and who they then identified as being the spiritual entity who, pro- who would provide cargo to them in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's where the great, guy, the great white god of great white goods comes from, you know, because yeah. there's a story about an American guy who, whose cargo got washed ashore and he had this, this thing full of white goods and they were all like, you know, they worshipped, they'd never seen it. And then when these people left, and it's usually during World War II or around that time that it happened, they start worshipping these people who, who came, they'd never seen, had all this amazing technology, and they start doing things like... And they build their fields in the jungle that no plane can land on. And that's actually what they started doing in a lot of these places. Like, they would build airfields because mm. they would see that, you know, when the war was on, they did build airfields that planes could like, and it became a part of their of their thing. You know, and I think, like, that's the first half of the song about those John Frum cults, and they're so fascinating, like, that whole idea. And I think there was actually one that worshipped Prince Philip. Um, right. Yeah, as well. So... But then it just turns into this amazing critique of colonial colonialism and globalism. Yeah. Um, and I and when it says I'm ruined, born by sea, the Stone Age smoked by dysentery. I'm patient zero to the lust of poplins. They trade one woe for another one. And it's just like, it's this beautiful like turns into this like th- critique of the world and mm. and it builds. I, I just that song it just kills me every yeah. time. Yeah, it's definitely one of the running themes of Gareth's work is like globalism and colonialism and especially within Australia, the way that local native indigenous people have been treated by Mm. white Australians over the years and then even the way um, sort of convicts and stuff were treated by the guards and the other people as well when they came over. It's just like that long-running theme of like he's not going to let stuff like that fade into history. He's going to tell real stories and it's not – he's not going to try and sugarcoat it or anything like that. It's like, no, no, there's some really – fucked up stuff that happened and it was done in the name of certain people and by certain people and I think like you know leading back linking back to what I was saying like he doesn't it's not like he's doing this from like this left wing perspective either it's this perspective of like everyone sucks and the world sucks and get used to it which like Oh My which is my favourite song on the album and I think an absolute masterpiece nihilist album it's a look at the end of the world with like this incredible humour but snarling rage and you know your best example of that of not of making not making you know not siding with the left or the right or whoever is that you know that lyric that's kind of like fuck everyone where he says Which is like this, yeah. <laughs> like thing of like, you know, oh, you think, oh, you want to shrink your footprint? Yeah. Oh, well, like literally no way to do li- that. There's no way to do that. Kill yeah. yourself. You yeah. know, like it's like, and it's so brutal. Yeah. But so funny as well because he's like saying like, well, good on you for wanting to like save the world, man. But yeah. the best way to save the world is not have kids not and you not be in it. Yeah. You know, like, and it's so this like you know, and that line like straight at the. The right up front where it says people are a waste of food um, and you'll never hear the end they're only ever happy when they're burying their friends you know 
And it's like, oh man, yeah. you know, like that's incredible. Like, I've, I've thought line. multiple times about getting people who are a waste of food, like as a tattoo yeah. somewhere, just like on the arm, just straight down the line. It's just like, yeah, just in your most pessimistic, nihilistic moments. It's just like, no, nah, this, yeah. this is completely <laughs> fucked and just, I hate everybody. Oh, it's a recurring motif of that song too. Yeah. People are a waste of food, you yeah. know? And I imagine, I haven't read anything about it, you know, but I imagine that's where that song started, you yeah. know, with him, that line popping into his head. And I read a little bit about how he wrote the lyrics for this album, which were, he kind of, and you guys have spoken about it in the past and previous episodes, I think, where, you know, he kind of, put a lot of phrases he liked together. Yeah. Put them, essentially put them in a hat. Mm. Oh, well, he actually used like an online phrase generator thing. Right. And then he put them together. Like, and I think in this song, like you can kind of feel that a bit, but it all sort of, he, he molds all the lyrics into, you know, saying the world yeah. sucks and we're think, all going to die. Yeah. Cause I know of a few bands that write like that or a few sort of singers and writers who write like that. And I think there's a real risk of it. Like the, oh yeah. So the, the phrases fit together in a way that makes sense, but then the song isn't about anything anymore. Yeah. Like it's just the phrases that you were thinking and like looped around. But in yeah. this case, it's like his tortured mind pulls those phrases and puts them together in such a way that you can still feel the theme of the song coming yeah. through and, the, and just that him just bearing his soul and condemning everyone. Like in, like he's almost in a little standing in the middle of a circle, yeah. just screaming at everybody around him. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what side you're on or where you are, he's just going to have a yell. Well, I also heard that he like read that he like then will take inspiration. So he might do that for the first verse and then he'll yeah. go, okay, I know what this song is about now and he'll yeah. do the rest. Mm. You know, but this, we, we spoke of, I said it at the start, but it's like a survivalist handbook, this song, yeah. but, this album, but this song in particular, you know, like um, there's that line towards the end of the song where he says... Just get some Heinz baked beans, a 12-gauge bandolier, and tinned dog food. We'll eat your dog, bury our dead, or eat them instead. That's entirely up to you. And that is so dark. Yeah. Like, that is <laughs> so incredibly dark. Yeah. Um, in this song that's kind of like laughing about it, mm. but like laughing maniacally going, isn't the world fucked? Yeah. You know, and this is going to happen. So just get used to it, you yeah. know? And, and that's... That's even in incredible. the title, even in the title, like, oh my, it's like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, this is like you, the only possible response. It's just like, oh my, what is going on here? Yeah. Because otherwise the only logical response is you would have to kill yourself and take totally. yourself off the world. Well, and that line in the song is immediately followed up with like, oh my, I hear the sounds of horses hooves in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it's like about the four horsemen of the yeah. apocalypse that he... That he references, you know, in the song. It's like, whoa, man, yeah. it's just such a good song. Like, yeah. it just kills me, that song. And, and like, it makes me laugh and, like, cry and all at the, all at the same time. Yeah. He's perfectly, which is his attitude over the whole album, I yeah. reckon, you know? Like, life sucks, but you better have laugh about it because you, it's still you, gonna suck it's the only what. life you've got, yeah. you, you know? <laughs> so. So then we sort of, uh, so after Oh My, we sort of stray into a bit where there's a couple of longer numbers. So there's Cold and Sober, which is like a bit softer and it also has some piano added in there, which is the first time the piano makes an appearance and totally fits that motif and that mm. style, like sort of like slightly demonic, slightly angry sort of stuff. I think it's the closest you're going to get to a love song on this album. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know exactly what it's about. I couldn't tell whether yeah. it was like a positive song or like a really sad song about drugs and yeah. maybe heroin or something. Yeah. I couldn't really tell or booze or whatever. 
but it's like there's something about it that's so sad but at the same time like so comforting and and it's very visual and it's like he can songs a perfect example how he can punch you with one hand and like stroke your head with the other you know like it's the it's like a song that does both of those things at the same time Mm. and then you got the big epic number lucky nod numbers so eight and a half minutes and it's just i love one of the things that i kind of love about him is that he's just not afraid to follow that muse like i've got a story to tell that story takes eight and a half minutes Mm. i'm going to take eight and a half minutes to tell it i'm not going to go oh i should cut this bit so i'm not going to cut this bit down i'm going to speed this bit up it's like no here i am unapologetically telling this story and the story is just going to take as long as it takes to tell well i mean I don't know about you, but to me, this song has never felt like an eight and a half minute song. And I don't know what that is. Like mm. you might, you may not, you may disagree with that. But to me, like I looked at it when I was like doing notes to this and I was like, I'd never realized that song's eight and a half minutes. It's again, like this, oh my, and, and I'm Supercargo um, are probably my three favorite songs on the album. But this song is just like this, going back to what I've said, like, 10 times now it's just so woozy stumbling drunk down the yeah down the road you know like and and i think like because of that the song title is perfect it's like luck and odd numbers you know everything's a bit off the snare hits the snare hits are offside and the bass line's slurring around and it gives us this lazy feel but then those classic drones threatening like Ba-ba, those yeah. snare hits the you jagged, know right really and, jagged yeah and it's just like there's the potential in there to go. It's like, it feels like when you're at a really dodgy pub and there's a really drunk guy sitting at the bar and he you, he looks harmless and you know that if you poked him, yeah. he'd turn around and beat you half to death. Yeah, That's what this song feels like. There's always that tension in that atmosphere of like, totally. what's going to happen next? Well, and I think like, you know, this song kind of sort of the lyrics to me they kind of go in weird directions and stuff. Mm. And maybe it's what we were talking about earlier, but it's apparently about the, the Kelly gang, like, and about the weird iconic status that the Kelly gang has in Australia of being this like huge, having this huge amount of hero worship and admiration. But really when it comes down to it, they were just criminals. That's what I've never understood about Australia's <laughs> fascination with the Kelly gang. It's like, these, these are bad, really bad guys and not like, bad guys who redeemed themselves at some point or good guys who turned bad by circumstance. No, no, these were these were murdering bastards always, all through their life, totally. unapologetically. 100%. And Australia just gets this fascination of like, oh, the cool, like the anti-authority thing is basically where it comes from, yeah. the tall poppy stuff that sort of folds into Absolutely. that. Absolutely. It feels like we could have icons in Australia that are anti-authority without being murderous bush rangers. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think it's like those folklore tales, though, yeah. you know, like... And, and, you know, what do they say? History is told by the winners. Yeah. Though the, the Irish immigrants weren't the winners in that story, yeah. there's a lot of Irish immigrants, like, tales in, from Australia, and yeah. they pass through. And suddenly Ned Kelly's this hero, you know, played by Heath Ledger in a big epic movie. It's yeah. like, no, he's a bank robber. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, there's people like these days, like Postcard Bandit, like Brendan Abbott, like that they talk about who they go, who people go like, oh man, Brennan Abbott, postcard banner, ha ha. You know, it's like, no, he killed people. Yeah. You know, he's in jail for a long time because he like ruined people's lives, yeah. you know? And so it's like, and I think for, like in that same way, Gareth is like the modern day equivalent of a Bush poet. Yeah. Maybe not your popular guy like your Banjo Pattersons or, yeah. you know, that, that kind of thing, Henry Lawson or anything like that. 
but maybe you know the the traveling bush poet from those days who might have been walking around going uh why are we celebrating this yeah. this irish dude who's killing who's robbing banks like yeah. you know not necessarily criticizing but looking at it and going what's going on here like and that's what it feels like to me like we were talking about it's almost like gareth lydiard and the drones are like this modern day bush poet like mm. that tells really dark stories but it's actually Things Australia has really such happened. a dark history that yeah. we all talk about it like oh you know eureka stockade all that kind of thing like people were killed yeah. you know like it's like it was a slaughter so that's it feels like real australian history and real history like which which then i guess leads me to the other um the next song which is penumbra i think that's how you yep. pronounce it which is about the moon landing yeah but it's like the most accurate telling of the moon landing ever that's scary. Yeah. It's scary to be on a big rock and so far away, like yeah. standing on dust that feel foreign and not in your gravity. And it's never that story's never told like no, that. It's told it's heroic and romanticized. But this song is like, oh wow. Like and just there's a line in it that, you know, is not related to that. It's not negative or anything. But it says, um, when he describes the the um golden eagle which they land i think it's called the golden eagle which they landed on the actual moon and he says notice the eagle two men's greatest feet miraculously intact or acute angles knees and elbows squats in golden underpants and it's like until i like read that lyric I didn't understand what he was talking about, yeah. but it's like the perfect way to describe the Moonlander. <laughs> um, but it's like warts and all stuff in that. Like you can hear him miss his guitar notes in that song, and and then he talks about like Neil Armstrong and and Edwin. I'm sorry, I've forgotten his surname. Pissing their pants like in there, which they did in their space. Yeah. No one ever talks about that. No, you know, it's like, like real human beings doing stuff. Totally, and I think that's that's like the drone summed up. Like. You said pessimism, and that's kind of what it is. Everyone else talks about the moon landing. What a feat. Yeah. But they don't go, man, that would have been terrifying. Yeah. Like, it would have been a part of their brains going, like, get out of this situation right now. Yeah. So speaking of summing up the drones, there's a line at the in the last song, which is, your acting is like the end of the world, <laughs> which I love as a title. Same. And um, it's just an acoustic folk, and it might be the only, like the musicianship, the instrumentation is the only optimistic song, optimistic part of this entire album. It's the only bit that sounds like they're actually having fun. Yeah. But then the lyrics, completely against <laughs> that. So yeah. one of my favorite lines, and might be like the drone's signature thing is... And I just love that. Like, it's just, like, that's just him summed up as, like, he, everyone in the city is trying to get him to do things that cost him things and work against him and trying to do things that get him to work against his own nature. So I'm just going to disconnect and I'm going to go. But then the way he phrases it is, like, you should... Like it's almost like he's then making fun of the people of himself who actually do decide to just or I'm disconnecting and going out to the country. It's like totally. it doesn't 
There's like self satirizing hit piece as well. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, not to not to name drop, but I've met Gareth a few times. Awesome. And he is that kind of person. Like he takes the piss out of himself more than anyone else, you yeah. know? Like and he is that kind of person of like, oh man, I'm such a cliche, I've moved out to the bush to <laughs> have my own recording studio, you yeah. know? Like and and I think that's kind of what yeah, that line is about. I don't know what that song is about in nah. general. I wonder whether he's got, just gotten the, the word salad kind of yeah. thing going on. Mm-hmm. But your acting is like the end of the world's an amazing. But I kind of was like, maybe it's about politicians and wanting to escape like, oh, all that crap, like all the theatre of real life kind of thing. Yeah. But it's such, uh, and I'll be honest, when I first heard this album and that, song came on last i was like what the fuck have they done here (laughs) yeah but it's actually so perfect it's like this it wouldn't have fit anywhere else in the middle of the album had to be last and it's like this sun sunrise like we've been through the night we're seeing the end of the world and then it's that thing of like yeah everything does suck and life does suck but let's just leave let's escape we don't have to be part of it you know um and i definitely don't have that attitude about life like you know, I love my life and I love being part of the the lame rat race, you know, yeah. but um, I think like the way that Gareth tells it, it's so romantic and you mm. go, yeah, life does suck, Gareth. Yeah. Get out yeah. of here. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. Let's all just go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so anything else that you wanted to talk about with the album? Uh, look, I mean, I, I found uh, a quote which is just like so... Because, I mean, something we haven't really spoken about is just that Gareth Lydiard's distinctive vocal, mm. you know, that snarl and that yeah. way that he sings things and his phrasing. And there was a, uh author, John N. Carnacao. I think he wrote um, like an essay about the drones, which was part of a book, which I should have written down, but you know, whatever. That's all good. Yep. But he describes Lydiard as an outsider, quote, more like an idiot savant drunk at the local than any traditional notion of a singer with a recording deal. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, that's yeah. exactly what it is. It's yeah. this like genius idiot savant sitting at a pub saying, you, you know what's, you know what's shit about the world, you know, and listing it all off yeah. and making an album out of it. <laughs> and he probably like, it's almost, he probably almost hates himself for making like, Oh, I'm the musician that's got all the answers here. I'm the musician that's... He probably hates that part about it as well, but there's just something in him that can't... Like, he needs to be the musician to get that stuff out, or it's what he... I guess he enjoys. I've never... Yeah. Seen, I don't think I've ever seen him enjoy any part of what he does. Yeah. So there's just something in him that must give him that fulfillment when he's recording and pr- playing music. I feel like he... You know, you've, you've hit on something really, like, really correct there. I feel like... You listen to Gareth, he says, you know what's wrong with the world? Here it is. And then you hear him in his own mind be like, what the fuck do you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then like turn back on himself and yeah. be like, oh, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not right. You're not right. We're all fucked. Who yeah. cares? It's like, you know what's wrong with the world is musicians who think they know what's wrong with the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like and, me. Yeah. And also all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm a very, I think I'm a very optimistic person by nature. So like uh, maybe I love... You know, hearing about hearing these this album to go like experience something that experience a point of view that I wouldn't normally mm. understand, but like oh, I could listen to this album for the rest of my life. I think it it could be my desert island album, as they nice. as they say. Yeah, cool. So um, obviously, you think it's flawless. I think it's flawless, Liam. Do you think this album is flawless? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to give it a thumbs down. Oh no. Um, Part of my thing, I love the drones and I love 
listening to their albums. Yeah. The, what I talked about earlier, where he just follows down a path and it's just all in his own mind and he takes eight and a half minutes to tell the thing. Yeah. I, I don't find that engaging at all. So a lot of the songs, like the shorter ones and the ones where it's really clear, like with the bands doing stuff, yeah. I love. But the ones where it's just, it feels like it's just him with an acoustic guitar doing stuff, I struggle to follow him down that path. Yeah. Further down the line, we may be covering the next drone album, the next drones album, which is I See Seaweed, yep. which I is flaw- which I think is flawless and one yeah, of my favorite okay. albums of the decade. And what I love about it is he did the solo album between Havila and I See Seaweed. Yeah. And he, it felt like he got a lot of that, I'm just going to do my own fucking thing <laughs> yeah. into that. So when he rocked around to I See Seaweed, they're all more solid band tracks. Yeah. And more sort of, yeah, I guess more what I think of more of a complete, more standard song. Yeah. Which is, still, which is awful. But this, no. yeah, some, some of the longer ones where it's just him noodling away and following his own yeah. path, I tend to lose track I get of where that. he's going. I get that. But like I grew up with Bob Dylan who like has like... 16 well i grew up with him because my dad played him a lot but you know Mm. like 15 minute songs where it's the same verse over and over yeah and i love that and i love i'm a big lyrics person and going what does this mean and who is it and stuff so i totally get it but i understand Mm. it's interesting you say that about ic seaweed because i don't think that album is flawless yep um uh i love it i've Absolutely love it, but I wouldn't call it flawless. So it's mm. interesting you say well, that. When we roll around to talk about that, we'll definitely have to have you back in and we Hell can yeah. do another Drones album. Yeah. So we got one thumbs up and one thumbs down, unfortunately, for the Drones Havila. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. It's been great having you today. Pleasure. Uh, flawless is recorded at the Edge Studios at the State Library of Queensland, which is a fantastic free space. So check them out online and support them any way you can. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash flawlessamp and also Twitter, twitter.com slash flawlessamp. So definitely jump on there. Give us a rating. Tell us what you think. Uh, if you're listening to us through iTunes, you can give us a rating there. If you're listening to us through any of the other major podcast services, you can also give us a listen a rating there. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you like and what you don't like about the podcast. We're, uh, we're all ears. Other than that, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. It's too long, it's too late